Welcome everybody to season three of The Girl Out There. Yep, we are here in, it is officially season three. I am um, so overwhelmed to see that um, this podcast is still going strong, that vision I had a few years ago, and we are almost at episode 100, that will be next week, Um, but we are kicking it off this week with the wonderful Carolina Miranda, and um, I didn't actually tell her that she was going to be our season three starter, because I knew that would overwhelm her, Um, but this story is just the best way for me to imagine starting off this season. I really wanted uh, this year to be all about um, truthful, raw, honest, and beautiful chapters of people's lives. I have this image of um, our books, our books of us, and uh, that some of our chapters are going to be messy, some of our chapters are going to be a little dull, some of our chapters are going to be sad. Um, as, as you can imagine, that's the book of us. And uh, so just for people to come in and share about the chapter of their life, the, li- the lives of them. Uh, Carolina does want everyone to know that there may be some triggers for people as we talk about um, miscarriage as well as what um, her life has been like raising a child with a disability Um, and just wanted people to be aware of that for themselves. This might be a podcast that you choose not to listen to or that you just uh, come in with that awareness uh, at the beginning. Uh, I am so grateful uh, that she said yes and was uh, really daring and brave for herself. Thank you so much, Carolina. Um, I so appreciate uh, you uh, saying yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Hi, it's the girl out there right here with you. It's me, Cindy, and this week we are here with Carolina Miranda. Welcome, Carolina. Thank you, Cindy. I am so happy you are here with me on season three. This is um, this is a very, very big, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to start crying right away. This is, <laughs> sorry, I get teary. <laughs> Everyone okay. who knows me on this knows that I feel. Um you are here with me on season three. And uh, what I decided for season three was it was uh, the chapter you walked in on. And it was stories of people's lives. And I wanted um, real people. uh, Well, we're all real, but people to just uh, be able to share beautiful chapters of their life. Um, because I truly believe that sometimes we meet people and uh, it's it's uh, the next chapter and we we don't realize all the chapters that led to this current chapter of the book of them. And the more that we are able to um, sort of open a little bit more and share other chapters, we realize that kind of we all are just this one big book. And um, so you and I had met um, because of a session um, Mm -hmm. and 
and I'm just going to share a little bit and then you can dive in, but just so you feel a little bit warm here in this space with me. Um, and you started talking and I just was like, everyone, I just want everyone to hear, hear you speak and hear you share. And I know that this is, um, brave for you. (laughs) Yeah, very much outside of my comfort zone, but um, I'm happy to be here and happy to share. Thank you. I like to nudge people outside of. <laughs> yeah, this is a not a nudge. This is a, a throwing off a cliff, but <laughs> let's go for it. I see. Isn't that great? I love it, though. How are you feeling already? Are you feeling a little bit better? <laughs> I know. I can just hear my heart pounding, but I'm feeling okay. Good. I always say, once you do one thing that's out of your comfort zone, you realize you can do it and suddenly more and more arrives for you. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, this is so, so beautiful. And I am like giddy and excited that you are just here. Um, because, uh, I, I want people to hear the beauty of you. Well, that's very sweet. Thank you. (laughs) So, um, do you, do you have a space right now in your mind where you're thinking you want to share a little bit? Um, or do you want me to kind of nudge that for you too? Uh, you can nudge it for me if you want to start. I, see where just, it goes. <laughs> I, um, so we met because of the session that you, um, you, uh, booked with me mm-hmm. and we were talking, uh, so, and people who know me, I just, I write for you, the person, uh, before and things will just be sort of coming in and I'll be like, wait, we're supposed to talk about this. Um, but you had, uh, in that session, you said how, when you turned, I think it was like 33 or 34, 34, right? yeah. 34 mm-hmm. um, that you just got, well, that's when you started to get this call back to, mm-hmm. um, spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I sort of got really drawn into the session because I was just listening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, well, just for, I guess, for some context as to what happened before 34, okay. um, I had a very comfortable, happy, normal, uh, upbringing, very happy childhood, no traumas, nothing like that. Um, and everything was just sort of going smoothly. I knew I wanted to get married and have a couple of kids and, you know, the white picket fence sort of dream that we're maybe now things are changing, but at least like back then it seemed like that's kind of the dream that I need, we all need, all women needed to have. Um, but I, I, I wanted that and I knew I wanted to be a mom and things were just going well. Like I, like I said, I had never experienced anything that was really that challenging. Um, And I married a great guy and we had our daughter uh, in 2016. And, um, and then when she was about two, so about two years, yeah, obviously two years later, um, was, it was when the podcasts were kind of becoming popular. Um, At least that's when I started discovering podcasts and I would be working out at the gym and I was listening to podcasts and I had always been really fascinated by um, near death experiences. So I just found, I had read a lot of them and and seen on TV people talking about their experience. And what I found fascinating was that so many people just across continents, across, you know, times, they they all had just these similar experiences of what happens after death. And I grew up in a Catholic home. So I, you know, I had an idea of what maybe happened, you know, there's heaven, there's hell, there's purgatory, whatever, but I hadn't paid too 
much of I hadn't put too much thought into it, but just this this idea of near death experiences just really fascinated me because I was like, how is it possible that people across continents, you know, different times and places, they can be having similar experiences? So, um, with the podcast, I started listening to these accounts, and you know, with podcasts, one thing leads you to another. Just same with social media, you go down the rabbit hole. And in one podcast, um, somebody brought up the, a book by a man named Michael Newton. Um, the book's name is Journey of Souls. And mm-hmm. um, just to give some background, so Michael Newton, he was a hypnotherapist. He pa- he's passed away since um, since then, but uh, he he was a hypnotherapist, and he used to um, regress people to their childhood to deal with childhood trauma. And in his sessions, he found that sometimes his um, clients would regress back to past lives. And then he found what was fascinating for me was that he found that um, he, if he would, if he could regress them to the death scene of a past life, his clients would then start um, narrating or recounting what they were experiencing after death and in what he calls life between lives so where you go in the spirit world in between each life so for me this was mind-blowing because like I said I grew up in a Catholic home reincarnation was not (laughs) it's not something Catholics believe in Mm -hmm. um I had never really given too much thought to it but I just I had to read this book I read the book it just completely blew my mind because clearly, you know, there was a remembrance there for me. It just all rang so true. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, the fact that like, there is reincarnation and how we we pick the, not necessarily every little detail about how our lot next life is going to go, but we pick our families, we pick the country we're going to live in, the circumstances, um, you know, what our plan is. We create this plan for our lives. For me, that was just it's fascinating. And it just, it, it, it rang true for me. You know, there was something, it just gave me goosebumps. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, so this was completely, completely mind blowing for me and it all just made so much sense. And, and then I just started like, I don't know, doing just going into the spiritual (laughs) rabbit hole. And I wanted to find out so much more about like my soul and my purpose. And, um, and, and then, I turned 34 slowly, shortly after that, I turned 34. And I just remember being really excited about just um, not about turning 34 necessarily, but it was sort of this about this new chapter, you know, it was the first time I was just, you know, having this birthday with this knowledge um, about the universe and spirituality and my soul. And I just felt like, oh, I have so much I left to discover and just so excited about it and around the same time I was also listening to Oprah has a podcast I don't know if she has it anymore but it's um a super soul Sunday where she would interview different people um some religious some spiritual all related to all it was always the topic was the soul you know and this kind of thing and um with most of the people that she interviewed what was interesting and I definitely some of them would talk about this is that their spiritual awakening happened would have happened to them during times of of trauma of hardship of challenges um and how really that's when they were sort of broken open they would you know broken open and and and, and would dive into it would lead them into this beautiful new chapter of knowing who they are and getting to know their soul 
Um, and I remember very clearly thinking, oh, well, <laughs> thanks universe, but I'm good. <laughs> you know, like my life is good right now. Like I don't need anything to come shake me up because I'm already on this spiritual awakening path. And, um, and really I turned 34 and it was like, a, something went off, like a switch went off and things started happening um, and sort of started small, but it was constant. It was like my daughter, uh, she rolled off her bed and cracked her front tooth. And anyway, like that's in retrospect, that's nothing. But like in the moment that was really traumatic. That was the first time that we were dealing with a real sort of medical situation. Um, just like things like that were just like, boom, 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 one after the other. Um, and then during this time, I also um, found out I was pregnant with our second. We were excited um, about welcoming another little little person into our family. And then, um, so this happened over the situation. The difficult situations happened over the course of a couple months, and it culminated in in me having um, a miscarriage. Um, and uh, I won't go into sort of this, you know, how how that all went down. Um, but I, uh, I was severely anemic immediately after and, you know, for the next little while to the point where I couldn't, um, I couldn't even get out of bed. I couldn't without, without passing out. Um, and so I had no choice, but to literally sit with my grief and sit with my pain. Um, and so it, I guess at the time I was really angry, um, not just about, you know, losing the baby and losing the dream that we had of expanding our family. Um, but I was really angry that I couldn't just, just distract myself, you know, and just, you know, go back to work or um, go play with my daughter, even watch TV or look at my phone. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do any of that because I had this severe anemia and a pounding headache. And I just, all I could do is just sit and, and, and grieve. Um, and I remember, ah, oh, it was just so painful, but, um, I remember thinking, okay, clearly I was guided to have this spiritual awakening when I did um, because it was preparing me for this moment you know um, yeah it was it was preparing me for this because I, I could even though in my grief and in my sadness I could look at the situation and say okay you know clearly on some plane my soul wanted to have this experience for whatever reason can I look at it from that perspective and say, you know, what is this meant to teach me? And what am I meant to learn from this? And how can I grow from this? Um, so I was really grateful that I, I had that perspective because had it happened even a year before, I think it would have been a lot more difficult to go through. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I, I naively thought sort of this is the big thing that happens in my life. This is the like big challenge, the hardship. Um, and then uh, I started feeling better. And then a few months later, I got pregnant again and we were really excited. And this time 
um, you know, we passed the 12 week mark, which was when I, I lost the previous baby. I passed the 12 week mark and everything was, was looking good. We, we found out the gender it was going to be a boy. We were really excited. And, um, and then it was during our 20 week scan. Uh, so you have, I guess, normally under normal circumstances, you have two, two ultrasounds, one around the eight week mark, and then um, a more detailed one at 20 weeks. And we went in, I was nervous, <laughs> um, but also kind of trusting that everything was going to be fine. And um, we went in and, and I was chatty with the technician and just, oh, there's our baby, just, you know, whatever. And then she kept leaving the room. And she said at the time it was because they had double booked her and that she was also giving, you know, a scan to someone else next door. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then she left for a while. <laughs> and um, when the door opened again, it wasn't her, it was someone else. And um, I just knew something was wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Because coincidentally, um, a couple of weeks prior, I had been to, at my baby, my friend's baby shower, and there I had talked to one of her friends whose son was born with a heart defect, mm -hmm. and um, she was telling me her story of how they diagnosed uh, him and how she went for her twenty week scan and how the uh, tech kept leaving, and then when the door opened again, it wasn't the tech; it was someone else who was a radiologist who gave her the bad news. So I just so funny well not funny but just it's there are no coincidences right yeah. like so as soon as the door opened and it and it wasn't her I just knew something was yeah. wrong yes and my heart just sank you know and he came yeah. in and you can take a minute if you need it I think I'll let, are, are you okay? Do you yeah, want, I'm okay. Okay, okay. And he, um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but basically he, he told us that our baby um, had a, a neural tube defect known as spina bifida. Mm. And uh, there are lots of different types, but basically it's long story short, it's kind of, it's, it's a spinal cord injury. Mm. Uh, I could go in more to more detail, but it's basically a spinal cord injury. So, um, you know, the radiologists aren't the ones, they aren't the experts in the different conditions. They just know what, what they're reading on a scan and, um, and they're just telling you what they're seeing, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think I said this during our session, it was like someone turned the light off in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and it had been similar with the mis miscarriage but but not to this extent you know this was completely throwing me off a, onto a completely different path like I didn't know what this meant I didn't know what this meant for my child for my family mm -hmm. for my daughter you know like yes. I didn't know um and so someone turned the lights off I didn't and when they went went turned back on I didn't know who where I was, who I was, where I was going, because yeah. nobody wants to hear that there's something wrong with your child that could potentially cause suffering or whatever. Um, so that was for sure the hardest day of my life. Um, and I just remember just feeling so much, so much grief and just like, 
feeling like, okay, universe, this is too much to bear. I, I can't, this is not, I can't do this. You know, I can't, you live when you're, when you're a mom, you live with your heart outside of your body, you know, everything your child feels, you feel, you feel the same or, or more. I couldn't, I couldn't fathom just my son having a hard life, which is kind of what we were being told would be the case. Um, but then we, uh, so what happens in, in this situation is that you're then referred to maternal fetal medicine, MFM, um, at, we, we started going to BC women. So they have just more detailed ultrasound equipment and, um, you know, the doctors can give you a little bit of a better, better idea of what to expect. And, um, and basically what we were looking at was, um, they always tell you worst case scenario, you know, they have to, because they're doctors. So they tell you everything that could possibly go wrong. But, um, really what we were looking at, uh, the most likely scenario was just, he's not going to be able to walk, right? which I have come to terms with completely. However, at the time that was not an easy thing to hear, um, there are a lot of implications with, that come with not being able to walk and just not really knowing very many wheelchair users. Okay, what, like, <laughs> I don't know, naively back then, like, are, are we going to be able to travel? Like, what does this look like? And is he going to have a stupid thing? Like, is he going to have friends or, you know, but really, um, yeah, we just, uh, the bottom line was the most likely scenario is he's not going to be able to walk. And yeah, there are some other scary things that could, could, or may, may or may not happen. Uh, we won't know until he's born, but the most, this is the most likely scenario. And um, we had to, I don't know, we just, like we, my husband and I really, um, it's, it's a hard reality for sure, you know, like he's not going to be able to walk. But then we started thinking, just because you're born into a healthy, able body doesn't come with any guarantees of anything. You're not guaranteed health. You're not guaranteed that you won't acquire a disability later on in life. You're not guaranteed happiness. You're not guaranteed, like nothing. So in the same way, just because he's going to be born without being able to move his legs, why should that mean that he can't have this ama an amazing life, you know? Um, and the doctors are, it's interesting because they, I mean, they, they kept talking about his quality of life, his quality of life, and because he won't be able to walk and this is going to be more difficult for him. And they were, um, I don't want to say they were pushing us to terminate, but they definitely brought up that option several, several times. And I know that that's, I have zero judgment for that, um, for families who choose to go down that route. I know it's an incredibly painful decision and you make it out of love, out of fear and also out of love. Um, but it didn't make sense for us because like I said, you know, why are we going to stop it here? Because he can't walk when, why is walking, walking doesn't mean you're going to be happy. <laughs> you're not yes. going to, it's, you're not just guaranteed to be joyful because you can move your legs, you know? So um, for us, it was very clear that he needed to come into this world. And I knew that I felt that I knew that he, he, there's a reason for this again, going back to my spirituality and, and leaning on that and saying, okay, you know, I don't, this is not what I wanted. 
this yeah. is for me, for him, for me, for, for any of us, this is not what, what was, what I had planned, but I have to trust that this was part of the plan for whatever reason, you know, and there's something, there's so many lessons here for me to learn. And, and also who knows what his plan is, you know, his reason for wanting to come into this world in the, the body that he chose, who knows what his soul's purpose is and what, what it, I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, we'll figure that out as we go along, but, um, yeah, that just having, just seeing it that way, it just, it helps, you know, it helps because I, I trust that there is a reason why all of this happened. Um, so anyway, just to sort of, that's a very long story, but um, he- It's a beautiful story. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, but okay, at that point, so we, we just, you know, we we're like, okay, no, no, he's coming into this world and we're going to prepare for him. And we're going to just, he's going to come into a loving home and we will face whatever challenges we need to face. And, um, and I sort of went into a cocoon and I went on stress leave. I think if there's any ever a time to go on stress leave, that was definitely warranted. And, um, I just meditated a lot for the first time in my life just really tried to connect with him and with myself and just mentally prepare because there were a lot of unknowns surrounding his birth and his prognosis and we knew that he would need surgery following birth which at the time was just and it, it's any surgery with anyone is, is scary but you know thinking about surgery for a little newborn baby was really um scary but again just going within and and trying to keep myself centered and and connecting with him and he actually had this most beautiful peaceful birth I could have I couldn't I could I never would have imagined that that would have been the case when they gave us his diagnosis um he was born I helped pull him out I put him on my chest uh, all these things where I, I I didn't think that that would be the case I had envisioned you know doctors everywhere and sort of rushing him off to the NICU and um that wasn't the case at all and um and yeah I just put him on my chest and I just I get I mean I loved him from before he was born but it was this instant connection it's like you're here and I'm going to take care of you and everything is going to be okay and um and yeah, and so he did have surgery a couple of days after birth, and then we were able to take him home, and and here we are, and he's now three years old, <laughs> and a lot has happened since then, but um, he's just the most joyful, happy soul, um, and he know that I know he's meant to be here, and it hasn't been an easy three years. But it's also, they've also been beautiful um, for many reasons, right? You know, he brings so much joy into our lives and my daughter does too. And we're just a, we're just a family. Like we look, our family looks a bit different, but um, we're just a family just doing our thing, leading our lives and dealing with regular family type of things in addition to some other stuff. But yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> for for you who thought you did not know if you had much to share that was the most beautiful um story as I'm crying and realized I didn't have a tissue so I'm using my <laughs> hair scrunchie. um it's there's so many pieces that I tried to take notes while you were speaking because it it does res it resonates with us in such all of us I think to, there were parts that just hit me of um I will go back to when you um, had to just lay there um, and really sit in your own grief mm -hmm. um, and being set up. We don't even realize sometimes the purpose of what's happening for us mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. really truly surrendering for what is uh, about to happen. Um, I had given you the writing of our, the blueprint of our soul, right? That, and um, the, it really, truly, I believe we do have this blueprint. And when we kind of just release and allow what is coming for us, um, it it is being made um, for us. And sometimes it doesn't make total sense or the idea of that white picket world that we thought uh, was for us. Um, and I too had an incident where I had to lay in a bed, and not move for several months. And you can sit there and think, ah, but then it is, it's this idea of surrendering to mm -hmm. something much greater. Mm -hmm. um, and you had said, you'd said in this session, um, something about some people might look at us and, and feel sorry for us. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't need to. Um, and I think even in how you speak mm -hmm. and share with such joy and not to say that every day is joyful no. because every day should not be joyful. Right. Um, but the depth of what you're speaking shows me that nobody needs to feel sorry for you. Right. No. And I think, you know, I've learned so much from this experience and, and so much of our grief initially and and to this day I would say what worries us most is just um we live in a very ableist society and uh some people don't know what ableism is but it's basically discrimination against persons with disabilities yes. um and I say persons with disabilities with intention because I I follow a lot of people um a lot of adults with disabilities a lot of organizations that advocate for people with disabilities and that's the term that I know with language, it can be tricky. Different people want to use different things, say different things, but the general consensus from people living with a disability is that they want that word used. Um, because if you can't say disability, how are you going to be comfortable with disability? So as a society, we have come up with all of these different euphemisms like special needs, differently abled. Like I've heard so many different ones that just try to soften it. But then what that's really saying is we're not comfortable with using the word because we're not comfortable with disability. And really disability is just another form of diversity. And yes, sure, it comes with its challenges, but so many things come with, with challenges, right? But I think uh, we, I know that things are changing, but I, I know, I know that people are in general still uncomfortable with it and they discriminate against discriminate against it and they they pity us for for the fact that my son is disabled um and like you said I like we said we said in the session they don't they don't have to um it just because someone's life looks different 
doesn't mean it can't still be beautiful. And, um, you know, an example of that is we were, um, this summer we were out for a, we say a stroll in our house. We say, you can say go for a walk, that's fine. But we yeah. say we go for a stroll. And my uh, son was up in front of, like ahead of me with my husband, um, just rolling with his chair. He uses a wheelchair um, full time and um, uh, holding my husband's hand and they were just like strolling in front of me. And I just stopped for a minute. I took a video of it because it's just because it looks different doesn't mean it can't be beautiful. To me, this is this beautiful moment of my, like a father and son, hand in hand, out enjoying their day. Whereas I know as people come across us and they walk by us and whatever, I, I sense and I, I know that a lot of people will just automatically pity us. And mm -hmm. I hate the automatic pity. I hate it um, because it's unwarranted. And as I said to you, you know, it's not really fair um, to, to put that automatic pity on, to pity our situation because our challenges, his challenges are there for the world to see, right? He, he, here he is with his wheelchair. It's right there, it's in your face. Um, but it's not a level playing field when we all have stuff going on, right? So you may be saying, oh, poor little kid, oh, it's his chair. Um, but then, you know, the guy across the street, maybe he grew up without parents or abusive parents, or uh, I don't know, just dealing with some other, we, we all have some trauma. And if we don't, we're probably going to come across it at some point in our lives. So it it does bother me um, a lot when, when I sense that from people because they don't, yes, like, is it, is it easy? Is his disability easy? No. Does it, he's going to have challenge, he has challenges right now? Sure. Do we have challenges as a family because of it? Yes. Nothing that we can't overcome. Um, but most of my my sadness about it, I would say 99% of the sadness of, about it, it's not that he won't walk or he can't walk. It's the attitude. And it's those attitudes that need to change. Um, and we do need to start looking at disability as just another form of diversity and having conversations about it in our homes and with our children and not in a way like, oh, we need to pity, we need to feel sorry for him because of his disability or whatever it may be. It's it's just, it's another form of diversity. Let's talk about it in a neutral way. Yes. Um, let's bring in toys with like, there's wheelchair Barbie now, you know, which is awesome. Um, or books that have characters with a disability. Um, because if we can change those attitudes so that it, it we can look at it as sort of a neutral thing and, and not to say that we shouldn't be trying to change. So yes, look at it neutrally, but also try to improve things, try to improve things so that he has fewer challenges. So look at a space, is it accessible for him? No, so how can we adapt this classroom or this whatever so that he can have access? Um, that's really what, we, yeah, if, if attitudes could change, if people could just see us, you know, neutrally and just see that we're just a, a normal family, just dealing with our own thing, but everybody is dealing with, with their own thing. So can we just have compassion for everybody and empathy for everybody and not, not pity because pity, I hate it. It doesn't do anybody any good. <laughs>
I, I, I really, I thank you. I, I believe that for all of us and um, that I remember somebody saying to me once, please don't bring your fear to my table. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with enough fear mm -hmm. for myself. I don't mm -hmm. need yours. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just this realization of I'm already in my space. I'm already mm -hmm. coping with, it. I don't need to see yours. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And so that's fear from your own perception. It's fear mm -hmm. from your own. So when we release that and just go, it's, we've all got our own things. It's, yeah. it's true. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some things are invisible and some things are not like mm -hmm. you said. Um, and, and just what you just said was so beautiful. Um, and, um, and yeah, the pity is, is, yeah. um, I remember it, it keeps coming up, so I'm going to say it. Um, it was just this beautiful, um, it was a poem I remember reading about 15 years ago that, uh, and I don't, I don't remember the actual mm -hmm. poem, but just mm -hmm. the outline of it. And it was a woman who wrote it for her son and he had autism. Mm -hmm. um, and so she'd said, she remembered it being like she was packing her bags and she was going when, when she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I don't, do you know this one? I, I think I might, but go ahead. And it was just so the, I, the metaphor of it really opened my eyes to so much. Cause she was like, I am heading to Maui. And I have got like something like that. I'm heading to Maui and I've got my sunscreen and I've got my bathing suit and I have visualized it all for months. And I'm so excited about my trip. This is my pregnancy, how I visualize it. I know where I'm going to sit. I know where I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. I can see the ocean. I'm ah, so good. Yeah. Get in the plane. I can, uh, whatever. So excited. And then when I land, I am in like the most freezing, cold Arctic place ever. I, and, yeah, I think right? it's like Amsterdam or Amsterdam, something like that. Yes. I, yeah. And so you're just like, okay, I don't have any clothes here. I don't have anything. Yeah. And, and so it's the shock to the system. Totally. But then suddenly you, when you actually get there, you're like, this is the most beautiful place totally. ever. Yeah, so it's totally. not that one is terrible and one no. is not. It's just that immediate, like, hang on let me ground myself here and realize that I just was envisioning this place, which was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And now I was not prepared for anything. So I just need to reorganize everything in my head, totally. buy what I need now. And now mm -hmm. I'm on this beautiful trip here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's very true. Um, that's a, a great metaphor. Um, yeah, it's, we need to release <laughs> all of these conditions, all of the conditioning and all of the, so many, so much of our dreams might not even be ours, you know, um, but just surrender to what is unfolding in front of you and just try to go with the flow, right? But um, it has been, it's been a hard journey, but it's, it has also been a really beautiful one. I, I'm not the same person that I was, before all of this happened. And I, I don't want to be who I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm different now. I just see life differently. And I, I just grasp onto all of the moments of joy that we experience as a family on a day-to-day -day basis in a way that I didn't before, you know, I, I took a lot of things for granted that I, I, I don't. Um, and then another thing too that has come of, of, of this is the connections that I've made with other moms who are going through similar situations that bond with them that immediate connection is just so beautiful um 
you know, we can hold space for each other when we're going through something tough with our kids. Um, yeah, it just sort of cuts out all the bullshit, really. And it really makes you focus on what, what really matters. Oh, love it. Yeah. Not to say that it's easy. It's easy, easy to live in that space every day, but um, yeah. But I think sure. that is the biggest key point is that people um, sometimes believe that when they want to find, come back home to their spirituality, right? Like I mm -hmm. wrote in that bit is that, um, that is suddenly going to be all glorious and blissful yeah. and amazing. And like a bubble of like, la la, yeah. but that's actually not the case. Yeah. It's simply going to be like the blueprint in the stars of mm -hmm. your soul mm -hmm. of what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. And your purpose is not just going to be the white picket fence, blissful, yeah. happy. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be raw and honest yeah going to be truthful yeah. it's going to mean that you're going to be able to stand for what you understand it's going to mean the connections that you make are going to be real and truthful mm -hmm. and the the eyes that you meet are going to feel so good and like mm -hmm. when I see your son who comes and sits on your lap right like, <laughs> I'm like I, I just that moment that he came into that yeah room, I'm like oh it's just I think that's what it's all about right it's mm -hmm. not and then there's messy moments where you can sit on your floor and cry but know yeah. that you can trust yourself in that mm -hmm. those tears mm -hmm. that they are safe mm -hmm. yeah no I, I I agree I agree life life looks different but it's still so beautiful and even more beautiful than before um, a lot of it because of how you perceive it right exactly and I used to really, I don't know, before I used to really live in the future and I was always planning and worrying about things like down, way down the line, years ahead, things that I really shouldn't have been even thinking about. And this has just forced me to just, okay, all I can do is take it one day at a time because we don't know what is coming. I mean, maybe you do because you're psychic. I don't know. <laughs> But we don't no. know, you don't know what's coming, but I also no. don't want to live in a place of fear because I don't know what's coming and, and, and feel like, oh, I don't want to, you know, what if, what if whatever comes up next is, is even harder. I don't want to go there right now. This is my reality. This is what I'm dealing with. I want to be here. I want to be present. I want to just, I'm here. I don't want to live in the future. I want to live where I am because I, I can't handle much more than that. Right. Could um, share like one piece of advice for maybe for parents or people just leaning into a space like this um what is there something you would um I don't know that might be too much pressure for you to think about but um is there anything that you might say to people if they were just starting this part of their journey I would say you know, one trust, right? Just trust that it's going to be okay. Um, love will be your strength, your love for your child, your love for your family. It's going to carry you through. Um, find your community. Um, for me that, yeah, that was other, other moms with, with kids with disabilities. Um, that has been so key to my journey because together we 
you know, working to change attitudes and we're working on advocating for accessible spaces and for funding so that our kids can go to school and go to daycare and make all of these things that, you know, a typical child would normally, a typical child has access to. Um, but find your your community and ultimately love will be your, your strength. It's going to be okay. I don't know. You can reach out to me if um it's not it's not easy it's not easy when you find out that your child is gonna maybe have um just some more challenges than another another child but a typical child but it, it doesn't mean like I said it doesn't mean it can't be beautiful just because it looks different so I don't know if that's helpful or not but are you kidding <laughs> that was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. That was fantastic. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. Okay, well, have, a, have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you so much for leaning in today. And make some time for yourself, for some cozy socks, and perhaps for paying it forward to somebody else. Perhaps it will be a smile, a look in somebody's eyes, or maybe driving through a coffee shop and buying for the car behind you. There are so many ways that we can ripple effect the idea of love, of kindness, and of gentleness. It continues to grow and grow with every thought, action, and word we do and say. It's all about the in-between little moments that make this life so special. Enjoy the bliss and enjoy the mess because they are both all that we have.